1: Everybody to another episode of the podcast to be named later. Noah Hiles here, taking you through the first half of the show, and it's a it's a different episode. It's the same story. Pirates lose another one. They fall to four and sixteen on the 2020 season, and uh, I, I hate to see. I saw this one coming, but there was an instance in this contest where I knew. They're going to lose this game, and I think it was when everyone else kind of had that thought as well, and that was in the top of the sixth inning. This first segment's going to be really short. All disclosure, uh, Alex and I in the second segment have a lot to talk about. I know we're going to go long there, so I'm just going to be quick. The first segment of this show I want to talk about, we were robbed of a great pitching matchup today, a great pitching duel. We had one for five innings. For, I think, four innings, there was one hit combined from both of these teams, and the Pirates had it. Stephen Brault was excellent on Wednesday night. Especially after you consider he threw 30 pitches in the first inning. He finished five innings with 80 pitches. He got off to a really tough start found a way to battle through and allow no runs. And then after that, he really settled in. Against the Indians lineup for you know, in all honesty, they have a lot of good players in that lineup, but they're not performing. So he did it against a team that's not hitting the ball, but overall he got the job done. Five shutout innings, 80 pitches, and you have to wonder, could he have gone a sixth could they have avoided using Davidas Neveroskis in that game because as soon as he came in I think we all had that thought in our head well this is where they lose it and sure enough it's exactly when the game turned and then after that it didn't really matter because three runs was going to be enough you just knew it the way Savali was throwing the ball I mean he's and the Indians, and I know some of you are thinking Noah is going to talk about his Cleveland Indians. He's a he's an Indians fan. He used to work in Ohio. But in all honesty, I mean the Indians have just so much young talent in that starting rotation, even without Poliak and and Clevenger. And Savali is a guy that we're going to be hearing about for a while. He's he's one of the what seems like hundreds of great young arms that this Indian system has produced and. His talents were on display against the Pirates lineup that could just... We'll get into that in the second half of the show. But Bro talked about, after the game, saying that he, right now, feels like he is completely stretched out to go 100-plus pitches. He said he needed to see if he could go 80, and I'm going to spare you inserting the audio, because I can pretty much directly quote it. He said... If you can go eight, it's like training for a marathon. Once you can run fifteen miles, you're ready to go. And I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. I've never ran a marathon, uh, but that's that's the comparison he used. Shelton said he was at the end of his rope. He said that was about eighty was the max that he wanted to allow Brault to go. Uh, and and Brought actually before the game didn't even know what his leash was. He just went out there and did his thing, and I, I wish they would have allowed him to go one more. I know you don't want... You, the Pirates definitely do not need any more injuries, especially when it comes to pitchers, especially when it comes to good pitchers. And that's what Stephen Brault is. He's he, The last calendar year plus, the last two seasons, he's probably been their most consistent starting pitcher. He was probably their best pitcher in 2019, And he's been pretty damn good aside from one outing this year. So, uh, I don't know. I I, I would have liked to see him. And and this isn't a way to manage games. I get that. If you're Derek Shelton, you're not thinking of this mentality. But it would have been nice for the fans' sake. I mean, there's still a lot of people tuning into these baseball games to watch a 4 and, at that time, 15 team. Now 4 and 16 Give gives their give some excitement. You know what else is there to be excited about with this team right now? Pretty much everyone in the lineup is underperforming. Why not let the guys who aren't underperforming and who are progressing put on a show? Why not say, you know what, bro? You got a hundred pitches. Go out there. Have a good sixth. And if you can get it done in 11 pitches or 10 pitches, something that he did multiple times in that outing, we might even consider bringing you out in the seventh. Let him play. Let him just... What do you have to lose? I And I aside from the obvious answer of injury, and that's the main concern, I get it, with the pitch count, but... I mean, come on, man. It's it's baseball let him compete at least part of me thinks that I don't know and if you're and if you're gonna take him out why why never us? why I want to know and we never got a chance to really see how the game would have unfolded if if there was a scoreless sixth inning I want to know what the rest of the layout would have been for the bullpen. Was Kella still going to pitch the ninth? Were they going to pitch him back-to-back days? If the game was tied or if the Pirates had the lead? Who was going to get the 8th then? Were they going to go Rich Rod back-to-back days? The answer everyone wanted to hear the alternative option was why why was Hartlieb not selected for the 6th? And I think their plan was well, we want leave available for later in the game if it's close. Which I don't necessarily hate that mentality, but, I mean, come on, man. Like, look, it's not going to be a close game if you, uh, I don't know. I mean, they were one pitch away, right? They were one pitch away. If if he makes that pitch right and and, and Santana doesn't hit it out of the freaking stadium, maybe that game goes differently. Maybe we find out if, if it's if it's Hartley in the seventh, Rich Rod in the eighth, kella in the ninth i i don't know just a frustrating team to cover i'm sure it's a frustrating team to i mean i know it's a frustrating team to watch and root for it's it's a long season and we're only a third of the way through there are a lot more frustrating aspects to the team though than the starting pitching and the usage of the bullpen and we're going to get into that In the second segment, Alex will join me, and we're going to talk about the Pirates lineup. Is it the best? Is this Pirates lineup the best group of players this organization can put on the field right now? We'll discuss that when we come back.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal.
1: Second segment of the show, and as we always do it, my good buddy Alex Stumpf joins me. I pulled him away from his computer again. You writing anything good? I hope. I hope
0: this is a little different than, you know, the last couple gamers because, you know, they've just found a new way to lose every night. This one's kind of predictable. And you actually gave me the
1: idea for the main part of the gamer today. Oh, my, thank goodness I contributed something to your... (laughs) to your workday Alex a little peek behind the curtain Alex on top of being a great beat writer and I will say great he does an excellent job is training me here at the ballpark so he is he's doing two jobs at one right now I feel like someone who's simply just trying not to step out step on my own feet and I'm continually kind of stepping on his and he's been very patient with me during this entire process so big thanks to him uh you don't have to add on to that and talk about how I've sucked, but no, in all seriousness, (laughs) um, the Pirates have struggled. A lot of the guys in the lineup continue to just not deliver Uh, a third of the way through the season, and you could probably count the amount of players who have progressed from last year on one hand. Yeah. And, And some of the guys that you would say have progressed aren't key members of this team. You know, like you look – I'd say Jeff Hartley has gotten a lot better. Yeah, that's fair. But in the grand scheme of things, Jeff Hartley, what's his highest ceiling for the Pirates? An eighth inning guy?
0: Yeah, that's about it. Yeah,
1: and and, and that's great. It's good to have one of those, but that's not who you want to see taking the biggest strides forward coming into this season. And that's when, when you have other guys significantly regressing or just – Continuing to struggle if you don't want to call it a regression, it's alarming. And so I asked the question to Alex, I think it was about the seventh inning. I looked over from our seats that are six feet apart and I said, Is this the best team that they can seriously field right now without going and making a trade or signing a free agent within the organization between what they have now in the major leagues and what they have healthy in Altoona? Is this the best? What are they, at 28 men on the roster? Yeah. Is this the best 28-man roster that they could have possibly assemble? And I think we both came to the consensus that it simply it cannot be that way.
0: No. It actually started with you saying, how would you build this lineup right now? Mm-hmm. And I looked at it, it's like, I, you, you know what? No, if I got to pick my lineup, I'm putting Cabrian Hayes in it. It's, I, yeah. I don't care.
1: I do not care. Let's lose with the kid. Yeah, and, and – It feels early to think like that because it's only 20 games, but you're playing 60, and if this was a real season, a real 162-game season, and they had the winning percentage that they currently do of, what is it, 25%? 250? They're 4-16, yeah, that'd be... That's 200. 200, yeah, not a math guy. Yeah, so if they had a 200-winning percentage, a third into a regular 162-game season, we're looking at rebuilding mode. And I think the time has come where you start to see some other guys. I was going through and pretty much after Alex made his lineup, I was thinking of what I would do if I were constructing an everyday lineup for the Pirates. The outfield is, I think, where the most changes need to happen because there's young talent in the infield. Newman needs reps, Eric Gonzalez deserves reps. The only guy I want to see come up in the infield this year is Kibrian Hayes, and he'll be up eventually. I think he probably would have been up already if he didn't have COVID-19.
0: Yeah, it's a matter of when, not if, with him.
1: But the outfield, it's just time to move on with some of these guys. First things first, Gerard Dyson just doesn't belong on this team. There's no purpose for having him. His OPS plus starts with a negative. And that's... Which is insane. That's not a joke, people. That is a fact. Dan uh, went on Mark Madden... On uh, Wednesday, on yet yesterday, and he and Mark kind of talked about this. Where he said, "There's just no purpose for him. You you brought him in. The Pirates brought him in to be a n- semi-notable name. I mean, if you watch baseball, you remember him being a part of that Royals World Series team. Um, and you know him for the defense and the in the in the ability to steal bases. And you thought, okay, they at least have someone who has played center field before, replacing Starling Marte, one of the better center fielders." in the game of baseball they didn't just roll out force brian reynolds to play center field or roll out into the season with jason martin as their opening day starting center fielder and i didn't hate that move because it's affordable and but it's just what what what's the purpose of playing Gerard dyson another inning in a pirates uniform he's 36 years old he represents no part of the future for this organization he really only wants to be here because they're paying him money. I think he's mentioned that. He, he quite literally said that, yes. Yeah, multiple times, which I don't no, necessarily no, Get your hate. bag, I don't honest. blame yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, hey. Trust me,
0: as a journalist, we get a lot of canned whatever yeah. responses. Whenever Dyson says, you know, <laughs> it ain't too good out there, they gave me a contract offer, it's like, you know what? God bless you, man. Thank yeah, you. hey,
1: <laughs> thanks for being real. Um, but it just makes no sense for him to be here anymore. If this was a team competing for the playoffs – uh, I mean, if they were anywhere realistically close to a playoff spot, I might consider him staying around just because he's someone that could pinch run in a close game. And, I mean, maybe not get picked off on second base when he represents the game-winning run. Oof, oof, yikes. Uh, but no, he needs to be DFA'd, and he needs to be DFA'd yesterday. And I just I just don't see why you keep him around and not bring up someone like a Jared Oliva or... or give Cole Tucker more reps, move guys around, and put Osuna in the outfield, not in center field, but Osuna in the corner outfield, and maybe put Reynolds in center field. I mean, hell, give Newman a shot out there or something. I mean, there's there's no point on him being out there. And you want to weigh in on Dyson here real quick before I, I, we get into the p- next outfielder? I'm going to preface it with
0: saying that – I, I am 110% in favor of giving the starts to Martin, to giving them to Tucker, to giving them Oliva. Uh, Dyson still has been a good influence for Tucker, trying to learn the outfield. He's been a good influence in the clubhouse. So, I I mean, if it comes down to, hey, roster spot, Oliva or Dyson, I would take Oliva. And, and you know what? That's kind of the whole reason why they brought in Dyson this year, because Olivia wasn't ready. I mean, that's just... It's just how it worked out, so ah uh, yeah, I it's not a great playing devil's advocate right there, no. but it's it's what I've got, and you know, just to make good podcasts. Well, and
1: that's that's an easy decision that can be made, and it can be made soon. Yeah. The other outfield spot is a much harder debate to be had, and that's what what the hell does this club do with Gregory Polanco? It's a good question. I mean, it's the easy. When you don't think about it and the financial repercussions it has and everything else, the easy answer would be get rid of him. He's, he's quite literally one of the worst players in baseball right now. His war is, a, I think, at negative .5. Which,
0: it, given the <laughs> sample, is insane.
1: <laughs> given the sample of 20 games yeah. is almost impressive. And I don't like piling on Gregory Polanco. He is a very nice guy. He's been nothing but kind to me in every encounter that I've had with him. And he's shown the ability to be good. But I think it's fair to assume that that player that we saw in 2018 and 2016 and spurts in 2017, the guy that we were all excited about when he got called up, that's not happening ever again. I mean, at least in a pirate's uniform.
0: I can make a better devil's advocate for this one. I mean, he he just put a ball in the river, on on Tuesday. That was just barely. It was one fell. of his
1: three hits this season.
0: I know, but that's. I mean, it's. I'm gonna pile on on Shelton in the, in the article about him saying how you know Polanco's making good yeah. you know hard contact. Whatever he makes contact, it's like okay, but he whiffs, you know, every other pitch. It feels like. Right now, all I can say with Gregory Polanco is I feel like they're at a point where they kind of have to just unplug him for at least a couple days, or just something because they are doing him no favors trotting him, trotting him out in that lineup. He no. is he is lost out there right now, and there there were timing issues coming in, and he had trouble catching up with velocity. He's just not there, and even having those couple of days off, you know, between the series with the Cardinals and the Reds, that hasn't been enough. He needs a long break off. This is a situation with Gregory Polanco where it it would just be so tough. I know everyone wants to cut him now, but it would be so tough to do that A, because it's a big contract for the Pirates. That they they would just have to eat. And B, there are still some glimmers of hope. How Fainting, they may be. They are fainting. I am not going to be, you know, sugarcoat it. But if they could, you know, with a proper offseason, be like Gregory, we're gonna get your act together. And he hits well, you know, to open 2021. He becomes an interesting trade chip. But you know, that's that is really all you could really look at I with Gregory Polanco yeah. right now is he gets it all together well enough that the Pirates could trade him for a 40 grade prospect during the 2021 yeah. trade deadline. And with the depth of the outfield that the Pirates have right now, I don't know if you can just cut him right now Fair. or in the offseason because there isn't a whole lot to speak of. They might have to go to a free agency and find, like, another Dyson type, you know, just to bridge the gap, you know, that mm-hmm. extra year before Swaggarty or Oliva if they don't want to, you know, bring him up now.
1: It's, it's really it's, sad.
0: It's it's sad. It's not what they want but they're kind of between a rock and a hard place that they really have no choice but to stick with Gregory, but that doesn't mean you have to trot him out in the lineup right now whenever he's betting what, like oh seventy, 70 It's bad. It is. I have not seen a Pirates hitter look this lost at the plate, you know, exempting like the Brett Morels and the, you know, guys. Michael
1: Martinez. Yeah, throw yeah. those guys out of the window because they're not This is a guy Leaders. who's been a regular starter yes. for five-plus years.
0: I have never seen a guy mm-hmm. be in the major leagues this long look this lost. I mean, he was a a
1: starter on a team that won 98 games. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just, I was thinking during the game, thank God there are no fans in the stands.
0: You know, kind of, kind of. I I mean, mean,
1: for him, for him, I mean, I I wish there were fans at these games, it'd be fun for us. I I, I knew for Gregory, but but yeah, yeah, it's a fair point. For Polanco, like, just... I can't relate to what it's like to slump in the big leagues, and I'm not going to compare my slumps in Colt League or high school baseball to what he went through, but just when you're slumping at anything in life, when you're slump- when you're making mistakes at work or something like that, and you just can't seem to catch a break, can't get it right, you, you get in your own head. And I can only imagine, and he's clearly in his own head right now. He's clearly, I mean, he's someone, he you can tell when Gregory Polanco's upset and frustrated. I mean he's he slammed his bat multiple times after he pops out in the infield or strikes out. I can only imagine how much more that would be intensified if there were if there were people chirping him when he was out there in right field or after a strikeout and you hear the boo birds. Like I mean he's heard before like Sean Rodriguez and everything. I mean, but this is this is a whole nother level and it's 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 almost sad, like you said, it's 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 upsetting that they continue to put him out there and watch him struggle where this is something where I think I don't know. I don't want to make these assumptions like that, but I I wouldn't be shocked to see Gregory Polanco on the IL here soon. I mean come up with shoulder inflammation or something along those lines. Yeah,
0: I mean it's it's not a good situation yeah. for him at all this year. He's in a rough spot and I I feel The one thing i will say in gregory's defense like i i had a question asked about like tabata you know like are they the same player it's like no they're not the same player i mean tabata tabata was you know the lazy ball player who got
1: tabata never hit more than six home runs in a season i don't think
0: tabata a never produced like gregory polanco did for those couple years early on in his career yeah and b uh, polanco there are few people who have worked as hard to you know, stay on a ball field than Gregory Polanco the last couple of years. And yeah, it, a lot of it is self-inflicted because of that slide. But, he, you know, I mean, he's not lazy. Lazy people don't go to physical therapy six times a week during the offseason and then, you know, double down on it during summer camp and or, mean, or during the shutdown before summer yeah, camp. I it, mean, his
1: body transformation, too, over his career. I mean, uh, yes. going into 2018, I remember seeing – or 2019, when he came back, he put on a lot of muscle – yeah, And, uh, like, you talked about his rehab. He, he's worked his ass off, and it's just been – it's kind of like when he came down with COVID. It was just like, of course it would be him, you know? And it's, it's not his fault. But, I mean, his career's been derailed from hamstring injuries and, and a slide to second base in a game in September that meant absolutely nothing. And it's just tough to see. And in the, I,
0: I would like to see one of those, you know, girls with a time machine, boys with a time machine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Gregory, hold up at first,
1: buddy. <laughs> yeah, Gregory. Yeah. It's just a single. We're good. We're good. That I might make that. Uh, but um. Uh, and then Alex, one last thing in this in this extra long second segment, because um, I just love talking baseball with you, pal. We're not going to play the audio. We can pretty much summarize it. Uh, Pirates manager Derek Shelton was asked. A few questions about the construction of his lineup. He was asked about why Gregory Polanco continues to be put out there. His response was, well, when he does hit it, he's hitting the ball hard. He'd struck out 21 times, I think, in the 40-plate appearances he had, or at-bats he had at that point in time when the question was asked, but he was hitting the ball hard, I guess. Another guy he talked about was Adam Frazier. He was asked about. Someone asked him, you know... What what are you seeing that gives you the thought to continue putting Adam Frazier out there in the leadoff spot? And his response was, "Frazier's having good at bats." And uh, what else did he say, Alex? Did you...
0: It was consistent. He didn't say good at bats. He said consistent at bats.
1: Consistent at bats, and that there's a joke in there. Yeah, I mean, that, I can't refute that. There's there is some sort of consistency. I don't know if that's the kind of consistency you're looking for from a leadoff hitter, but. I mean, the lineup construction I think is what's more frustrating because in reality we're talking about the best team that they could put on the field. That's what the whole point of this segment is. There isn't there aren't many people in Altoona that can make this team better. There are a few. Um but I think the way this team gets a little bit better is moving some guys around in the order. I mean what Eric Gonzalez needs to be hitting higher than 7th. Adam Frazier needs to be moved out of the leadoff spot. We've talked about Josh Bell. Brian Reynolds needs to be moved out of his spot. I mean, it's just... I don't know. You know,
0: this is... The lineup construction is... I, I know Shelton has control of the lineup card. I won't... But, I mean... Whenever Hayes is in triple-A and you know, going to Oscars in the sixth, I mean, it'd be like, man, wouldn't it be great if Blake Cedarland was up? And I know Cedarland just started, you know, throwing again, or or live BP uh, last Friday, so he's not, you know, he's not game ready quite yet. Or man, if Jason Martin was playing instead of Gerard Dyson, it's looking at this point. It's like, okay, it, just in ge- if this is a lost season, and it's a lost season. They're going to finish in last place. Oh, yeah. I would rather finish at last place with the kids. But it's it's looking at the point like, well, geez, the, the kids are probably better. I know I know. there's always that, you know, the, the devil that you don't
1: know. You go with – Oh, yeah. Dad. The grass is always greener on the other side. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it's I, – I look at it objectively. Like, Jared Oliva, I, I, I,
0: I think he could hit 100 yeah. in, a, in a major league game. I said that
1: to you during the game. Yeah. I said, I know Jared Oliva can hit 100. And Cabrian uh, Hayes could make plays in the field that aren't being made by yeah. Colin Moran or some you know Ho- Jose Asuna. Jose Asuna. Yeah. I mean
0: that that was a three run play that Cabrian would have been able to I relegate. I, yeah, at the bare minimum, right there, I think mm-hmm. Hayes gets a you know piece of that ball and it's one run. Yeah, instead,
1: it's frustrating, Alex. It's just frustrating. There's
0: 40 games to go. We're at the one-third mark yes, of the sir. season. And there's going to be a whole lot of baseball coming up You know, down the stretch.
1: I think it's 40 games in 39 days. There we go. We'll buckle in. We'll have coverage for it all. Be sure to follow us on our social media platforms. Hit that subscribe all button to our podcast content. We work hard to bring it to you every single day. But if it's Daily Shot, if it's Morning Java, if it's the new Steelers podcast, which is doing great with the numbers all of it's good i know that because i have to listen to it and edit it all uh (laughs) but in all seriousness we thank you for your support and keep trying to you know get some other people to hop on the bandwagon that's what makes this place so great and that's what makes you all so great a lot better than what's going on down here in the north shore we'll have more analysis we'll have more podcasts for you tomorrow until then take care we'll see you then